Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello. And welcome to uh, Really with Tom and Dave. Hello. Uh, how are you, Tom? Oh, I'm just excellent. I'm peachy. You got your souvenir hat again? I'm fresh uh, as a day. I'm not taking this thing off. Yeah, it's a beautiful hat. I'm I loving the hat. Too. My I son came. It great with my shirt. Stole too. my other one right off the, he, Luca came and took it right away. So that's yeah, always that's, a good sign if you got a working hat, if, my, if Luca yeah. likes it. And I'm trying to think, do we mirror on, we're not mirrored on StreamYard, are we? No, we're not. Uh, I'm just checking. Which hand is which? Uh, so, yeah, people can actually read your. Sh- you, we can actually read things. Oh yeah, uh, this is the. That's from Area Fifty. Uh, Area Fifty One. From. Yes. Uh, we were out visiting out at the uh, Alien Research Center, which is kind of a promo for our upcoming George Knapp series. Are at least three parter, right? Is it a three? What do you think? I look. There's still a chance to squeeze a fourth out of this. There's got to be, yeah. but um, well, we'll, we'll have ten if, we, if they're all fifteen minutes. Yeah, we tons. We were there a while, and it was all mega fascinating, and uh, lots of other. We got up to lots of other hijinks as well. Mm-hmm. And my phone is about to uh, explode on us. Isn't that yeah, a fun got, sound? Yes, oh, and we also got to see uh, we went out to the Sphere in Las Vegas while we were there, which was pretty the, cool. Uh, Aaron Aronofsky's uh, special production for the Sphere. Yeah, it was pretty pretty mind blowing visually. Beautiful. It was, yeah, it was really it, stunning. Beautiful. I mean, I actually thought the sphere outside was a little bigger than it ended up being, and that it was still cool to look at. I have to say, inside was to me the most mind blowing part for sure. And yeah, um, for those of you, it's, it's for huge. those of you who might go to see Darren Aronofsky's uh, movie, there it is. Um, don't storm out after t- five minutes because it. Uh, yeah, gets I was better. I was writing letters to my lawyer. Because uh, you're thinking, wait, this isn't what I was told it was yeah, going to be. You were yelping then, the sphere in your mind. But then it then it expands. Oof. Boy, does it. It's really, oh my yeah. God, it's outrageously beautiful. Um, yeah. Hey, listen, 
this is some cool shit going on. We've got a great guest today, Martin Willis. We're going to yeah, get yeah. to in just a second, but but we have people now. They I, applause to our our listeners. They're moving over to our YouTube channel. But just a reminder: at really with Tom and Dave, our new exclusive YouTube channel just for those who love really and Tom and Dave and want to hear all sorts of great stuff. Uh, we are still partnered yes, with Stampede please. Podcast Network, who we love, but our show is moving to at Really with Tom and Dave. So get over there, subscribe we'll, and like. We'll shut this version, this this channel will be the Stampede one will no longer be on there. Yeah, eventually. I think Soon we will slowly, slowly be sort of moving over yeah. there, and I believe that is underway. So get yeah. over to at Really with Tom and Dave because we have some outstanding uh, content coming your way. And uh, and in just a, a minute or two, actually, because um, we got to talk to our uh, we've got a real we have an expert with us today to unpack mm-hmm. this ex- very strange and interesting week we've been having in the UAP world. Um, so our guest today, Martin Willis, um, the subject of UFOs has uh, somewhat fascinated uh, Martin since his youth, yet he was kind of on the fence about the subject but he experienced a personal sighting in 2007 in Carmel Valley, California, that solidified uh, for him that unidentifiable flying objects really do exist. And since this time, Martin has paid attention to what others have to say about the phenomenon with some skepticism, yet an open mind. Martin thinks we, including the U.S. government, may never find out exactly what UFOs, UAPs are for real, uh, but it is, in his mind, the most important and exciting puzzle yet to solve. Um Martin has an interest in astronomy, feels we are not alone, and uh, always maintained a strong scientific fascination of our vast universe. And as a UFO enthusiast, Martin created Podcast UFO in November 2011 and has hosted over 575 show interviews, which is an amazing number. Dave, we have work to do. Um, Mm-hmm. To match that, Martin was the keynote speaker at the Pine Bush UFO Conference in 2022 and a speaker at the Shag Harbor UFO Expo in 2023, and is a longtime noted professional antique and fine art appraiser and began podcasting on antiques, auctions, and art in 2009. And we're thrilled to have him here with us today. Where there is Martin? There he is. There we are. Martin. There he is. How Great are to you? see How you, sir. Are you? Glad to be here. Thank you. Nice to, nice to get a chance to talk to you. Yes, yeah. thank you, thank you. Uh, it was so lovely to have you on my show, even though it wasn't me hosting. But that was very nice. I know, yeah, Dave. Dean Eliotto yeah, was, right. was was sitting in for you then. And but I think we did. We talk. Was I on Alejandro's once? We could have, I guess, possibly. I can't remember because yeah. I know, I know, because I was going to say, like when I about, uh, I'm trying to think how long ago when I when I sort of got uh, catapulted into this sort of seriously uh, into the the issue of UFOs and or UAP. Was after watching uh, some of uh, uh, James Fox's movies. Yes, and then after that, I wanted to seek out sort of rational, uh, level-headed, non-histrionic um, people talking about UFOs online. And I think the first uh, three podcasts I came across were yours and Alejandro Rojas's uh, Open Minds. Yeah, yeah, and Ryan Sprague's uh, Somewhere in the Skies. Right. So those were my first. Those are my first entry podcasts into the ufo world so thank you and a great uh great starting point for anyone listening uh to this very day and your interviews are great and i agree the the approach and the um the tone of it is is uh i think just welcoming to 
the public at large who may or may not be curious, you know, they don't want to necessarily think everything has to be real, you know, but they yeah. just want to get a, a sense of what is happening. Um, and there is, and it was a kind of interesting week for UAP news. But before we get to that, I'm very curious because I don't know this story. What what happened to you in 2007 to kind of turn you into a believer? Well, first of all, you know, prior to that, I had a little bit of interest just, you know, like a, a decade or so earlier, um, only because I had an insurance um, broker at my house. And he said to me, we're, he was, I was getting life insurance at the time. And that's the only reason to have an insurance broker in your house. Really? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But for some reason, Otherwise, he, there's said, a problem. Uh, he said, yeah, he said casually, he said, yeah, I was in Vietnam. And I said, oh, boy, that must have been something. He said, well, I had an unusual job. And I said, well, what was that? And he said, uh, I was part of a secret part of the Air Force to investigate UFOs. And a lot, a lot of things were happening during napalming and things like that. And I said, what, really? You know, so, um, wow. and then he said, yes. And they're very interested in our nukes too, and all this. And I lost track of that guy. Can't find him, I've tried to find him. And I know his name, but he, and I can't, I tried insurance. I tried other insurance wow. brokers and nobody knows. <laughs> can, anyway, can I say that, uh, that uh, may Dr. be a bigger mystery than, yeah, than yeah. the UAP because insurance brokers, they never disappear. I know. They How don't is go that away. possible? Right. Well, I didn't you, die. So, you know, you could, did you leave a message? You were interested you in car and yeah, auto yeah. and, um, that's wow. Okay. So that's uh, an interesting, here's, here's the key thing of that night. He was just getting ready to leave. We were talking about other things. And on the way out the door, I said, hey, by the way, what is what does the government think that these things, what do they want? And he just looked at me and he said, we're a Petri dish. That's what he said to me. Mm-hmm. So I never forgot that. So I had that in, in the back of my mind. But in 2007, I was uh, doing um, appraisals, which I do in, in that area. Is that I did Merv Griffin and. Um, he was right, right there and stuff like that. So, um, I was in a hot tub. I was not drinking. People always ask me if I was drinking mm. and it, it's not a spectacular sighting. I mean, mine's kind of bland compared to the most, most of the ones that I hear, but anyway, something caught my eye and I looked up and it was a perfectly shaped, um, disc going right over my head. Uh, it was about, it was dusk about eight or something. And, the thing that freaked me out and I had never heard before, never heard anyone say anything before was it was dead silent and like this thing's moving and there's no noise and it's not really, really high up. So I wouldn't hear a noise if it was making one <clears throat> and had a blue glow around it. And then it just stopped and then it just stayed there. And then it just went on an angle toward Monterey. I was in Carmel Valley and it headed toward Monterey. So I jumped out of the hot tub. I was staying at a guest house and a neighbor's, ranch they had there ran in the guest house there was a phone on the wall i called 911 i apologize it's not an emergency but has anyone else seen this thing flying over toward you know monterey and there's a navy i forget school or something there i something like that in monterey right. but anyway um she was really sarcastic with me hold on you're telling this is a flying saucer huh you know i mean really sarcastic so i i waited for 20 minutes didn't hear anything from her. I finally hung up. I uh, went to work the following Monday and I worked at a big auction house out there and I had, I was mentoring someone in like silver and stuff like that. And I said, uh, I got to tell you what happened this weekend. And I said, and I told her the story and they said, 
please don't tell anyone. She said, no, I won't. And then like 15 minutes later, someone goes, Ooh, aliens, huh? You know? So, uh, so I felt embarrassed and I kind of tucked it away and that was 2007. And it wasn't until, um, 2011 that I decided to really dig into it. So that's kind of how that all happened. How long Mm -hmm. did the, how long did the actual sighting last in your mind? Do you think? I'm going to say it was probably only 15 or 20 seconds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, but enough to see, enough to see it sort of stop, hover, head in another direction. What, and, and was it, what color was the, you said there was a blue glow around it. Like a blue glow around it. And I, I had thought I was the only one that ever talked about that, but I've heard about, I don't know, two or three other people since then um, have Mm -hmm. mentioned that also. And like a silvery disc or was it? Yeah, it was sort of silvery blue glow. It's kind of like a, a cool color blow, a blue and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it just like a fuzziness about it. Yeah, it was, it was odd. And was mm-hmm. it, and how, how high up would I you say I don't know, it was? you know, I mean, it's impossible to really tell for sure, but I felt like it might've been like uh, less than a thousand feet, but I really don't know, you know. Right. So hard to gauge the size of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, um, it just, uh, I just right then and there it was like, and if I had, I got to tell you, if I had my if I had a camera on me right then, I wouldn't have taken a picture because I, I didn't want to stop watching it. You know, it just, it was so mesmerizing and it wasn't registering in my head what it was at first. It was like, Mm -hmm. what, you know, like uh, it was hard to understand now, you know, I've had a couple, I've seen a couple of things and my camera's ready, but it's always, everything I've seen is explainable. So yeah. Yeah. Well, Dave had a similar experience in terms of like not going for the phone, not go when you saw your thing. Yeah. And weirder, the fact I was with Jeremy Corbell when we saw, uh, we had a sighting. Oh, yes. I heard about, I heard about that. Yeah. 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 And Jeremy didn't take a picture. In fact, the only, the only thing he said for the entire uh, experience was he said, I'm not even going to take a picture, (laughs) Uh, which is weird. yeah, on two levels. One that because I know Jeremy had trains to get ready to take those pictures. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and I and it's also the longest I've ever seen Jeremy go without talking. Uh, so now we, now we know what it takes. Of, yeah, I've met, him, I met him a few times. I, yeah, I, I think I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was so it was quite remarkable in that. Now I the only other, a little another little detail that you jumped out of the hot tub. Were you naked, Martin? Uh, this um, particular case, I was not. You know, oh, okay. and, and I'm so not afraid want... to admit that. I mean, I had, right. I had a house in, in Maine, a hot air balloon landed right in my backyard and I had to get out naked. I mean, what else could I do? So yeah. I had a hotel nearby well. and like, hello, please don't look. Yeah. He was at yeah. a guest's house, Dave. So oh, not, not everybody just throws their clothes off when they go to a guest's house. That's just your nope. behavior. Yeah. It's oh. just how you function. I, I, I was afraid of getting probed, so I had a really good bathing suit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, you gotta get. Well, they were, Yeah. Well, mesh. I just wanted. I just want to make sure we're creating a proper word picture, especially for the listeners, yes, the ones who true. aren't watching yeah. the video. Yeah. Um, you can describe it. But this that. Is what yeah. It might be but like. that's a. So that's a pretty pretentious. Like, like you said that you said it was about thirty seconds for. Yeah, it's, I can't remember really. You know, I mean, yeah. it's kind of blurry now to think about how much time. It might have been a little longer because I watched as long as I could see it go, you know. Yeah, because well, I would say even like our, the sighting that Jeremy and I had was just was a few minutes. Um, but it's amazing uh, how much those few minutes or a few, even a few seconds can sort of change the change the course of your life. Oh yeah, I mean it totally did. I mean things yeah. things have worked out fantastically since that happened. You know, I mean 
I would have never been looking into this topic. And I've met so many amazing people and uh, the love of my life all through this topic, you know, by, uh, by that one being in the hot tub just for the few minutes I was in there. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say even from like our small sampling of conversations at this point, it is, it's almost hard to keep up with the revelations the just the sense of expansion and the rapid expansion of like the people out there and the interesting work that they're doing what i can't imagine what it's like after what is it 575 579 wow. actually you know to be yeah. more accurate yes and uh and go ahead oh no i was just gonna say so and so and let me the so your sighting was 2007 you started your podcast in 2011 yeah um like did you did you just did you dive into researching and becoming more knowledgeable, like right after the experience? And no, nope. as a matter of fact, no. I put it away. I completely yeah. tucked it away. And uh, do you know Ed Krasnick? I know the comedian. Yes, the comedian. Yes, yeah. I know. Yes, yeah. I've known Ed for 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 decades. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I I was talking. I was talking to him about it, and um, and and Paul Gilmartin. Um, I don't know. You know Paul Gilmartin. Yeah. yeah, I know that uh, dinner and a movie, you know, so he did that. Oh, for yes, years. Yeah, yes. Yeah. He's a comedian. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I was, I was connected to those guys and I was talking to him about it and it just, I don't know, something kind of, I was talking to him on his, uh, he did some type of show. I was recorded with him and, and he said, there's a lot of interest in that. And that kind of got me like, Hey, you know, I'm doing this podcast on antiques. It's all well and good and it's fun and it's interesting. But UFO sure would be much more interesting. And so that's when I started to really dig in. So I really didn't start digging in. I Like I say, I put it away for, you know, three and a half years. And somewhere in 2011, I said, mm, I'm going to start looking into this. And uh, what fascinated me, and I'm sure you both can relate to this, is that, you know, you might be expecting to see tinfoil hatters, but you find so many highly intelligent people that are just, you know, it's not what I expected. I didn't mm -hmm. expect it. And well, as I already said, that was kind of one of the significances. What made you guys, you and Alejandro and uh, Ryan, like to me significant was that it was uh, a show I could, I could listen to and not get irritated <laughs> and, and not get alienated by the, by the, the tone of the shows that, that, that it was serious people with intelligence uh, discussing the topic seriously and, and, and people who all demanded that their credulity be earned, uh, by, mm -hmm. you know, by evidence. Yeah. 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 You I know. think that's what drew me, you know, I kind of like you was you know, always interested, but there's, there's a huge difference between kind of being a little interested and then diving in the way we're all diving in and certainly the way you have. And yet it was Dave, uh, you know, we had been friends for years and it, his interest then kind of drew me closer because I respected him. I, you know, knew he had a rational mind. I didn't think this was, you know, and I was surprised. I was like, wow, really? Like you're, you've kind this of gone. Very nice to hear, by the way. Yeah. Well, I won't ever compliment you again. And that's the respect, but you know, it's Martin's here. Um, no, oh, but I was said, just, he said he was surprised you had a rational mind. That's what I, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. What I heard. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah. Then that's kind of what I meant. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I, you know, that, that I think it takes something like that. You know, I think it takes people sort of, um, just personally putting their credibility out there and, mm -hmm. and, and also, you know, in a kind of wider forum being like, 
you know, these, if you're not asking questions at this point, the way the future is rushing at us, um, then you're just sort of in denial. And I think our, you know, what we're trying to do is kind of say like, it's okay. Like the water is warm. It's, you know, just, just, just join in, you know, there's important questions being asked and there's important revelations happening on an almost weekly basis now, or at least further confirmations of things going on. And the, you know, I think the broader public is interested, is ready. And, and then I think, like you said, or one of the things I've noticed is that everybody has a connection to this somehow, like a story or a, something that they've either tucked away or, yeah. or, you know, like you were you initially ridiculed by it and like, okay, you're like, well, I'm obviously not getting, I, I yep. find that there's just this groundswell of, uh, experience that I just find fascinating. And when you just sort of probe a little bit, even a person who's like, no, nothing's ever happened. Oh, wait a minute, actually, you know, and then you're like, well, wait, and then some story pops out. You're like, that's, that's a significant thing. So I've found that fascinating. Now, I don't know about you. When you started doing this, did you have any sleepless nights? Did it get, did the material get a little intense for you? Not really. No, no. I, I you know, I mean, I, I'm the, wuss. I was really I'm the, the wuss of the bunch. I was really on the fence about, you know, the abduction part of this, you know, thing and right. uh, whether that was really happening. And then, but I, I've seen some things that are pretty darn convincing. So I have to be open-minded to it. You know I mean? Uh, you know, I mean, I think what, made me a little apprehensive about that to begin with is it seemed like there were so many people saying they were being abducted and like, maybe this is, you know, something else. And I talked to someone in uh, Sweden and I said, what's it? And he's uh, like the top dog over there, class one, uh, when it comes to UFOs, he's on TV all the time. He's like Stanton Freeman of Sweden. And uh, he said, I've only heard of one abduction case you know, so it's, it's really different. And why would it be in, you know, the different countries? I don't know. Mm. You know, and then people say, well, Eisenhower made a deal back in 61 or, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> so I don't mm. know about any yeah. of that, but anyway, yeah, no, it was, yeah. uh, that, I guess here's the thing you asked about sleepless nights. So, and I've said this before in my show, if that, what these people are claiming is happening to them, I would be curled up in a ball in a corner somewhere. I wouldn't be able to function, you know, and I, and I just had a guest last week, Matthew Roberts. He was uh, in the encounters in the first series. And, yeah. I saw uh, that. It's good. It's naval yeah, intelligence it's and all that. And, you know, basically he's had, he had kind of what's called the hitchhiker effect, you know, um, from the, the gimbal UFO in 2015 kind of, he feels like, it's when he looked into it deeply and I've heard other people say this, I've heard long time researchers say this, don't look too hard. It'll start looking back at you. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to be, yeah. People, once you engage with the topic, yeah. um, a little, weird a little things deeply. can start happening. Yeah. Have you found, have you found that in your life that, there, that no, as you've gone through? No, no? I had, I had a, a very weird experience prior to that. But, um, you know, with a poltergeist, I guess you'd call it that. Um, mm. But but I that was prior to to that. And, you know, some people that I've talked to said, well, that's related. And I don't know how it could possibly be related. And I don't get the whole consciousness thing and all that, how people manifest. Yeah. And I'm not really sure about all that stuff. But it's just another puzzle. Yeah, I also don't think you need to be in for a penny in for a pound with all of it. I do think everybody kind of has their line that either, you know, it's taking them a minute to get there because it is the case that because I 
I, I inherently resist conspiracy because it's just, I, I feel like the, personally, I think a gov- the government is fairly disorganized. Um, you know, I, I suppose there's a, I suppose there's a level of, you know, something really small, really compressed and really insulated that could endure as a sort of legacy program type thing. Um, so I, I, I leave my mind open to that, but generally I'm not, I kind of, I'm averse to sort of conspiracy theory. So it takes me a minute with some of this stuff. However, even if you're trying to keep as sober a mind as possible, the, you know, the aperture continues to open with the weirdness and you sort of, some people like, okay, I'm getting off at this stop. <laughs> like I'm getting off at this floor. I'm getting off at the chemical gateway floor, like whatever it is, it's kind of, um, I think you find your level of tolerance. I think it's just important for people to be open-minded about what's happening. Um, because there's just, I mean, for example, I don't know where you, did you watch this, uh, James Lekatsky, uh, interview by chance on, uh, no, but I know about it. I read about it and, uh, yeah, that was, that's really fascinating. Um, if the, but that the, the puzzling part is, you know, he says he had permission to say that now you probably want to go in a nutshell for the person that's, you know, uh, not familiar with what you're talking about, but he claims that there was a non-human, a non-human craft that the government has and they had access to the inside of it. There was no, uh, there was no power source that they could see, no fuel, no anything like that. And I personally think that perhaps her propulsion has nothing to do with what we could even imagine. Maybe that thing could still move around uh, without any, um, you know, type of propulsion that we can figure out. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's, it's such a mystery. And I really think we know such a tiny, tiny little bit. So of, little. Of, and I want to go even a little further back too, and ask you and Dave, like, who is James Lekatsky? And why should we care what he has to say about any of this? Hmm. Well, um, I know that he now I may be confusing him. Did he have anything to do with Bigelow at one time? Yes. Y- yeah, yes. I think so. He yeah. he was he was the guy um, that Harry Reid went to, uh, or, or might even be the other way around. He may have gone to Harry Reid, but he was uh, he started um, OSAP. Yes, and yeah. that he and he so he put out the bid that uh, that uh, Bigelow uh, won. And, uh, Which is and this he, big program, right? In two thousand yes. something or other, three or four, yes. that that it kind of also encompassed Skinwalker, right? right. Advanced aerospace yeah. systems and weapons, weapons, some vague kind of didn't have UAP in it or and, UFO in it, and puppies, puppies, I think, and puppies. Yeah. Um, but it covered a lot of ground, I guess. And um, was he a physicist, Dave? Do you know? Yeah, I think. Yes, yeah. I think he's a physicist, yeah. right? Is that right, Martin? Uh yes. I, I I believe he I believe he is we should probably uh I should probably look it up, but I do believe he is a physicist. Yeah, and, and I think Dr. He, James it, he's a yeah, PhD Dr. James in Lekatsky. Yeah. Yeah. And but also a longtime intelligence officer. Right. Yeah. So um which which explains his uh, incredible caginess uh when he was on uh, weaponized. And, uh, um, you know, I wonder if he is perhaps there was uh, you, you mentioned Alejandro Rojas earlier. And right when David Grush came out a little while after that, Alejandro and I were having a talk on the phone and he said, I think that Grush has been told by all these guys, you know, like the Bigelow bunch and Skinwalker bunch, meaning 
Lukatsky, and maybe that is one of the people that told him about the crafts. You know, I would I would assume that was possible. Mm-hmm. He uh, he seems to present, and it seems like he he gets backed up um, as just one of the legitimate keeper of secrets. He really uh, he wrote. <clears throat> Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, which is a crazy read yeah. that George Knapp and Colm, here I go, Dave, Keller, with his last name, Keller, Kelleher, Kelleher. Yeah, I feel like Colm Kelleher. Kelleher. There's a lot in there. It's a very, me. it's a very normal Irish name. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm Irish or at least Welsh, which is mm-hmm. close, but um, I, I find those, I find their language difficult, but um, mm-hmm. the, he, uh, he, the, the interview is because I had I sort of heard snippets and was trying to figure out what was going like it. The interview starts kind of fascinating. Like it seems like there's a lot of you know they he does extremely um, uh, uh, in a disciplined fashion talks about this interior. Like yes, what's in the book is kind of precisely what he's willing to say that he was inside a craft. He saw a craft. They didn't see anything. Um, he he talks a lot. And I was like, wow, this interview is better than I thought it is. It's like 10 minutes in, like we're talking, this seems to confirm this, blah, blah. And then it becomes this sort of hair pulling, excruciating exercise where he is, can't answer this, won't answer this, like, like swerves and pivots all around. Um, Yeah. People, people don't want to hear that. Every time I interview someone and they kind of say, well, I really can't, like Lou Elizondo or someone like that. Well, I can't really go into that type of detail. Oh, it really burnt. People get really, you know, you, you get a lot of comments yeah. about that. Lot of- and it's the thing that sometimes I think is there, like people say, I just, you know, uh, they get mad. And, and I think they get so mad that they stop paying attention to the fact that like Lou Elizondo, and I found like James, James Lukatsky too. They say a lot with where they stop talking. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they yeah. indicate that there's that they indicate they, they sort of get, get, the momentum. If you if you let yourself intellectually let the momentum carry you through the end of the sentence, yeah, yeah, you can figure out what they're trying to lead you towards. Mm. But I think people just get very uh, don't take the time to do that or take the time to listen well. I think it was really it was clear in this interview that Jeremy and George were very frustrated, and I assume they had thought they were going to get more than they did mm. because it almost felt like they were missing the forest for the trees. Like, but wait a minute, like he's he is. It, it's not like he's saying that he's a, a you know an expert on farming and he found some object that he went into that seemed yeah. to resemble a UAP. This is someone that has been studying UAP for the government for thirty whatever some odd years, and he's confirming the ship and then also talking about all kinds of other shit that he's like perfectly willing to say like absolutely they're hurting people absolutely they're just absolutely like look at Brazil. Absolutely, stuff happened mm-hmm. in Brazil. He was like, "Look at South America now," which I assume he was referring to the Peruvian, the Peruvian situation, village. which yeah. Dave and I were making fun of a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> you know, there were jetpack miners flying around, and now you know it sounds like he's saying that that um, people are are still being now they don't terrorize. Now, that, yeah, yeah, yeah he was, uh, You know, he was think about the jetpacks. So, I mean that that it's a crazy thing in itself because they're a quarter of a million <laughs> yeah. dollars to four hundred thousand dollars a piece. You know, yeah, that's it's not, and they I'm don't saving and up. They, I'm saving and up my only, money, and they only fly for about fifteen yeah. minutes. Yeah, I Whereas, mean, the jetpack uh, thing was was just as bizarre as the rest of it. Yeah, because a helicopter or even a drone uh, is much more useful yeah. in if you want to explore, you know, through the jungles. Yeah, 
not as no. fun. It's not and as much packs. fun, Dave. <laughs> yeah. And, and right. jetpacks, they're also really loud. Very loud. Um, Unless they've and, changed uh, something. Yeah, they're very noisy. Yeah. yeah. Really loud, inefficient, short, short flights, like eight I minutes 15, at the most. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tops. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a stupid uh, way for a, a criminal organization yeah. to, to do their research. Right. Yeah. It's just goes to show that in this, in this conversation, there was from someone who is one of the arguably top dogs of someone who might be able to say, this is what we've been studying. He definitely inferred that that stuff continued to be researched past OSAP. He continued to suggest that it was being studied before OSAP. He continued to, he, he was making a lot of sort of broad statements of, um, you know, that, that he, he didn't, he didn't say that they were a direct threat because he said it's hard to define a threat, right? Like it, if capability and intent, you know, so they didn't ha- he knew they, he claimed they knew a lot about their capability, but they didn't know, anything about their intent. They, they did say that proximity, if you're near one, get the hell away because it does, there's huge amounts it's, it's of evidence. to your health. Yeah. Huge amounts of evidence that it will hurt you. An orb will hurt you by just by being close to you that people are, you know, um, like, oh, there was a lot of stuff in that interview. And, and, well, uh, yeah. And he definitely said that they, that people are mistaken if they think all of the, all of the phenomena is, is, um, benign. Right. You know, yeah. And I guess you cited the Caloris, which is a, an instant I'm still not, I'm not familiar with, but I've heard a few people bring it up recently. Now, which uh, one is that? I know there was the one in the Brazil Brazilian... where that guy was, yeah, uh, he ended up dying, I believe, or something. They were burned. Yeah, they guess they were, like people that. were being burned yeah. and somebody did die. And yeah. yeah. So you're saying, yeah, they have killed people. Yeah. But they, you know, it's yeah. crazy. It's awful hard to know whatever these things are in what way they think. I mean, we always, I say this on my show sometimes, you know, like we always, we always project ourselves onto the thinking of these things. And, you know, there's absolutely no way to tell what a being from somewhere else is going to be thinking, whether they'll even care about life or death or care about anything or, or emotional or their curiosities may be totally different if they even have them, you know, all that stuff. Who knows? Yeah. You have such, you have such a cross section of experience now with all of your conversations that you've had. What, what do you think? What's your theory? What do you think it is? Um, I think it's you know I kind of side with uh, and I'm not saying I'm research. No one's holding you down. Yeah, no. (laughs) As Jacques Vallée, but I I think it's a combination. I think there's a combination of, of things. I don't think it's any one thing in particular, but um, you know, I mean, I am totally open-minded to the, the possibilities. I feel kind of evenly, but mostly extraterrestrial would seem to answer a little bit more in my mind. But I also think that there could be interdimensional, there could be, you know, time travel is not, maybe not as much, but it's still a possibility. Um, so I think it could be, you know, not just one thing. And I just think that we, we know so little and we may never, you know, I like I like the term is like, if we found out what they were, we still may not know what they are. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's maybe beyond our compre- comprehension. So I don't, yeah. I, I think it's, it is very possible. And I've, I've had a couple of astronomers on and 
I had uh, Seth Shostak from SETI on and, you know, we kind of debated the topic a bit, you know, and I said mm-hmm. to uh, him, you know, we know the physics that we have now because we don't know how they get here. We don't know, you know, he said it would be impossible. And so I go, how can you say that it would be impossible? You know, you... so I don't know what to think. Yeah, it's, yep. Yeah, that's that, that weird thing where people go um, in the science community. Uh, it's, it's impossible. Uh, it's impossible. So it can't be happening. Uh, as opposed to going, well, something seems to be happening that seem that should be impossible. Maybe we should try to figure out how it's happening as opposed to just not looking at it all because it can't be happening, which seems to be the, the take of most of mainstream science community is to not look at it because, uh, because we already know it can't happen. This, instead of being curious as to, well, something that can't happen is happening. Yes. So what, how is that going? How is that yeah, going to go on? Reverse engineer it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you mentioned that you didn't think the government or we would know what exactly this was. You had a pretty close up view of this uh, recent, arguably biggest, you know, disclosure moment in the history of the world, which was David Grush. Um, am I correct that you were there yeah. that day? Yeah, I got to meet him also. And yeah, that Tell was, us, what, what was that like? Yeah, it's funny. It's like uh, I have a friend, Chris Lito, he's an F-16, you know, retired pilot in Portugal. And uh, I woke, I lo- yeah, I love his stuff. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I woke up one morning and and I saw him writing somewhere, maybe on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Something like, well, I'm going to go to the D.C. hearing. I said, geez, you know, I'm down in South Carolina. If he's going to the D.C. hearing, guess what? I'm going. So booked a flight and uh, went up there. And I'm friends with Randall Nickerson, the Ariel Phenomenon uh, movie. Uh, And so he and I were in touch. And he he, uh, started sending me pictures of the building, the Rayburn building, where they were going to hold it. And he says, God, there's only 30 seats here. It's like 30 seats. So yeah. I go, okay, what time are you getting there? He says, I'm not leaving. He slept. <laughs> he, no, he didn't sleep. He, he sat there overnight and waited mm-hmm. overnight. So I said, look, if people start showing up, I don't care what time it is, call me. And so he, uh, I think it was about 5 a.m. he called. And so my producer and I went over there. We got in line and we we're number 13 in, in line. Very interesting nice. people, fun people to talk to. It was a blast. And then Tim Burchett comes right out and starts talking to us all. And I, I got him on, you know, I interviewed him. And, and, and so that was, that was a lot of fun. And then the doors open and other people were actually waiting at the Rayburn building. We were across the street because we knew it opened earlier and went through a tunnel to get there. So we got in, you know, really mm. lucky that we knew all this stuff. So, uh, so we got in and then all these people started, you know, uh, weaseling in line in front of us and i'm thinking oh god 30 seats you know and and then we see you know george and jeremy walk right by you know and they're coming in at nine o'clock and sure enough they get in the front row and so but i uh was the second to last chris was the last person and i was the second to last person in the door and the only way we got in is because i ratted on the people that cut in front of us you know <laughs> uh, so we, as well you so should have 5 40 a.m yep. that that's the way that's the way i got in and it was absolutely yeah. surreal to be there. It was like a real highlight. I loved it. And I thought they asked some 
excellent questions. You know, there was a couple of things that I go, oh God, you know, but for the most part, I thought there were some really good questions and I thought everyone had great answers. And it just seems like, seems to me like it would have made more of an impression, but I'll tell you, there was over a thousand people trying to get those 30 seats. And I walked mm -hmm. down, you know, cause I had someone save the, my place in line and just walked down and started talking to all these people. A lot of people recognized me from my show, which was kind of fun. So, uh, but that was interesting. All these people trying to get in and the people there at the, at that building said, we've never seen anything like this ever for any. Yeah. Con yeah. Congressional hearings don't usually get that kind yeah. of uh, packed crowds. Yeah. And why they yeah. put it in the, I think it was by design. They put it in the little, you know, no seating type of thing. Yeah. 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 Right. But it was fascinating that to be right there. And I filmed the whole thing. I got it all on my, I, I was told you can't even take a picture. And then when I got in there, I, talked to the guy at the door and he said, no, do whatever you want. Just don't interrupt anyone. You know, make, so I, if you look at a lot of the news pictures of the whole thing, you'll see my phone up in the air on a stick. <laughs> I filmed the whole mm -hmm. thing. So, but, uh, it was great. It was really great. It great was, and, the, and I, you're right. It was a incredible, impressive lineup, uh, of bipartisan, unity which yeah. is probably even rarer than the testimony you were hearing was the fact that you know everybody was there not throwing grenades at each other yeah to kind yeah. of rally around this topic yeah, um, no one was making cheap political points uh no no yeah. right it was what was grush like oh he's uh you know i only met him for a second but i mean he's he's very gracious very very nice um you know and i i you know i mean a lot of people, you know, will say to me, well, you know, he's, he's full of crap and all this stuff, but you know, he's not going to, he's not going to risk everything, go under oath, you know, and, and BS, you know, I mean, I, I, yeah, I totally, he's already, and, well, he's already sacrificed his career yeah, and he's potentially sacrificing his liberty. If, if anything yeah. he is saying is untrue, right. It can be proven to be untrue. Yeah. Uh, to Congress, then he's 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 risking. Um, and if he says something, if he goes beyond what the Dopser allows uh, in public, he's also risking his freedom there. Oh yeah, yeah. So and then they can't. Making... Now they're saying they can't put him in a skiff because he's not. He doesn't hold the classification anymore. You know, and all that stuff. That's kind of ridiculous. The whole thing. But yeah, the, people, I... the people who took away his classification. <laughs> yeah, the people who took away his uh, clearances. Yeah. Am I wrong? And who could give it back? Yeah. Didn't they say this week that they are getting in a skip with him? They I did at the they did at the yeah. hearing, and then afterwards, I guess it all fell apart. From what I, I think, I saw subsequently. I think this week, though, I think there is some. I think one of the I, Luna. I think I is heard. That Tim, I heard Tim Bichette talking about it on News Nation. I think they, they might get in sometime just, before. Christmas. Oh, that would be great. Might, yeah, yeah. yeah, I I think they might get. Which was one of the kind of things made me go like, okay, well, it's like this. Um, sort of grab bag this week of like, what is the glass half full or half empty? Because on the one hand, you have this, this arrow report comes out, which is a, a great big bag of nothing. Yeah. Um, Let's talk and, about that because I haven't read it. You guys can talk, you guys can talk about it. Yeah. I, I, I know the snippets of, you know, I know a great deal of the, the content was, um, and I don't know, Martin, you feel free to, you know, like, correct yeah. me. I mean, they, well, they talked, they said there was no evidence that anyone had ever been harmed by a UFO, which is just like, like banana cakes. What are they talking yeah, about? Yeah. 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 Clearly not, uh, clearly not true. 
Well, I think it's all window dressing, you know, just like you mentioned Project Blue Book years ago, did a very similar thing. And I, I just, it's, it's really kind of ridiculous because I, 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 you know, I don't have evidence, but I know in my heart that they, Kirkpatrick knows a lot more that's classified and just, this is what we get fed. You know, basically the public gets fed this just like, you know, back in 1969, the Congdon report and all that, you know, just kind of make it nothing, kind of calm people down, make, uh, you know, make a, a, you know, a transparency look that's not real. You know, I mean, this, it's not, that's what I'm thinking, you know, and I, I think it's, it's, it's kind of BS. It basically, they talk about things that, um, I think the more data they get, they believe that almost all of them will be resolved. We don't care about the ones that are going to be resolved, right? We want to know about keep, the ones that can't be resolved. And there's, but they, yeah, they, they can't stop saying that. Yeah, they, they throw can't up all, stop saying that, that yeah, they, they will be all, all resolved. Yeah. yeah, they throw, well, they throw up all the cases that should never be discussed in the first place because they're clearly not UFOs. They're clearly not UAP. Yeah. Right. And everyone knows they're not UAP. Yeah. And no one's pretending that they are UAP, but they say, this isn't UAP and this isn't UAP. Yeah. So you can ignore these things over here. Yeah. Uh, because let's and they ran that, that film, like, I don't know, I remember, uh, I don't know, several months ago when that they had that other hearing, they kept running this stupid film of, of a balloon over and over again, you know, trying to get, oh, stop right there. Oh, yeah, it's a Mylar balloon. You know, we don't need to know any of that stuff. You know, I mean, that's just wasting time yeah. for one thing. Yeah. Well, I think it's like in, well, it's things in, um, in in Heineck's book, the UFO experience, even way back then, he, his complaint to the Condor com, uh, commission uh, study was he said that that ninety percent of the stuff that was being uh, addressed in the study uh, should have been excluded from the study. Hmm. He said you should have you should already ex you should exclude balloons. You should exclude yeah. uh, weather phenomena. You should exclude any of these things that you know what they are should be excluded from the study. The only things that should be in the study are the things you can't explain. Right. Exactly. And so he's, yeah. so it's the exact same situation again, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of balloons, I just happened to be right underneath the balloon in Myrtle beach when it was shot. Got out of my oh, really? car. I was with the real estate agent and, uh, and he said, well, there's a Chinese balloon up there. And I looked up and I said, yeah, it looks just like it. Now I was on a cruise, so I didn't know it. I knew it was in the Midwest. I didn't know it had floated anywhere. All the way across so, the country. Yeah. yeah. So I got out and I said, yeah, that looks just like it. He goes, no, it is it. And just then the fighter jet comes and kapop. I caught it wow. all on film. I caught it right on, uh, took all the pictures as it was happening. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's there's the only synchronicity. I know. That's amazing. That's got to be a sign of something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then we never saw anything of the other three or four no. things they shot down that week. Yeah. There's, there's, that kind of went away fast, didn't it? You know? Yeah. And, yeah. And they, and, uh, it does seem odd that they would, uh, it, that it's impossible to find something that you've shot down. Couldn't find and, it. <laughs> couldn't yeah. Find any of it. That Canadian wilderness, Dave. It's ah. really, it's, it's just impossible to get through those trees. If they can uh, find someone that falls out of a, a boat and, and go through all the currents and algorithms and stuff like that and find them floating with a life jacket, you know, 150 miles away, they can figure out how to find an object they shoot down. 
Yeah. yeah, these these jets just apparently have no no cameras, no means of seeing where their no drone lands. Either. No, no, and nothing. a lot of times, what you know, one of the things that uh, fighter pilots love to do is when they shoot something, they love to then just take out a nice book and read it for a while. <laughs> uh, they don't look, they don't, they don't like, they don't want to watch it hit the ground. They just, well, you know what? Right. Time to me, to, time for me to catch up on my uh, autopilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah put it on autopilot and let it land on the carrier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was saying, I think I said this when we were talking to Jeremy or something, but it's like there was a t there uh, at the exact week or two around those shoot downs, they had released um, jet wing footage in beautiful fucking 4K HD gorgeous of when uh, I think it was either Russian jet had buzzed one of our jets oh, yes. uh, yeah. somewhere in yeah. Ukraine. Yeah. And they and they had this just yeah. like gorgeous ready for prime time footage that the you know they if they want to show you yeah we now know they have ultra beautiful um you know multi-dimensional cameras but they can't they just can't seem to get it together to show you yeah. what what other very harmless other things they shot down that they don't yeah. want to tell you about yeah, and it's also when they when they know that something is simply uh a chinese bit of uh, technology a spy balloon uh, they're quite open about it. They and they'll do tons yeah. of press conferences, and there'll yeah. be lots That's of not classified, and, right? And uh, but yeah. you know, well, you know that there's got to be really good footage of the Tic Tac out there that we'll never yeah. see. You know, I mean, yeah. we see the Fleur video, and uh, you know they they did take other video of it, but uh, we'll never see that. And that's what gets me. You know, they they have this. He talks. Uh, Kirkpatrick talks about getting better data. I know they have this, so they have this available, unless it's somehow compartmentalized, so they can't get access to it somehow. You know, and that's usually yeah. when it goes into private hands somehow. But I don't which, know which, what happened. They not and the insufficient data, uh, and then and then story. You know, case closed because that's basically they'll say case closed once they have that. Yeah, uh, it and is again another th absolute. Uh, mirror uh not mirror a replica of uh of blue book again because yeah. that's what heine kept complaining was they would uh there'd be a, a a sighting and that the military would say insufficient data and that that would that would be the end of the story unidentified due to insufficient data and then they would just stop investigating and he would keep arguing well isn't that the reason we should go get more data yeah and uh yeah. and they would keep saying no yeah. So I, I, or is it data in America? I keep forgetting. <laughs> you say data. data. We were all data. making fun of you in the private chat that Dave was saying data. Yeah. No, sorry. I'm still an immigrant. Yeah. Um, it's true. Look, just don't data. start speaking French in this podcast, yeah. pal. Um, okay. We, uh, so am I, so am I correct to say that the Blue Book playbook uh, still works in 2023, some billion years after the first Project Blue Book? I, I say, I think it works. People just go like, yeah, okay. Yeah, See, what know? happens is, you know, when you have people and there's a lot of new, I mean, you guys are doing the show right at a time, a great time because, you know, of everything that's happening. And that wasn't always the case. But you have new people coming into this constantly because they see it on the news or whatever. And, and you know, and sometimes I make the mistake of not explaining a case or something forgetting that there's new people looking at it. But all they have to do is is go in and take a look at something. Oh, yeah, well, it's nothing. So, okay. You know, and they give up pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, and that the um, 
the same I think thing. that's precisely yeah. why Arrow exists. Go ahead, Dave. Arrow. Yeah, well, I'm saying Arrow and the NASA report, the fact that the first statement out of their mouths is always no credible evidence of an extraterrestrial source. Yeah. Um, uh, which, uh, you know, it's like most people that are serious about the subject will say, yeah, we know that. Uh, we don't, yeah, we keep saying we don't know what these are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what they don't say is, do you have any credible evidence for a terrestrial source? And the answer to that question is also no. Yes, right. I mean, the, I mean, we've excluded every terrestrial explanation. Yeah, uh, for for that five percent that is anomalous. Mm. Uh, you know, which is the only five percent we should be talking about. Right, and um, you know, I just take my sighting, which was so simple. I mean, all these people I've talked to over the years, I've heard such incredible things, but you take that just alone. And the first thing I thought of is how could this? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Possibly be from here. It can't be from here. You yeah. don't, I mean, how could it, you know, we, even after all this time, I still think that back in 2007, they didn't have like a, a black project that could do whatever the thing was doing. And why would it? Why would they have it out in, you know, right over carmel valley and all that i don't know you know there's a, yeah. there's there's a lot of people that argue that some of these big triangles that are around are ours and that they fly them in the public because they want people to think they're ufos but they're really you know secret programs that we have and all that you know i i hear all these things all the time so yeah so which and where the heck would they house them these things that are four miles wide Yes, yes. And it's and, so practical to make a four mile wide plane these days. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's so much use for it in the battlefield and the, you know, the giant. You just land on the un, battlefield. Yeah. Just unflyable, yeah. just, just monstrosity, I guess, to justify some defense dollars. Yeah. Um, but I think the yeah. my my theory is that, you know, there is this slow disclosure happening. And I think by virtue mm. of the fact that podcasts like yours exist, Martin, and that yes, we're, we, there's new people jumping in. There is clearly an interest. And I think this was, I think Arrow is this effort to just give the mainstream media something to like report, like it really wants to cut off a lot of this information at the past, right? Like David Grush went in and just dumped the entire like toy basket on the table and yeah. it seems like there's just all this now kind of flurry of reaction to the whistleblowers and arrow is this benign boring uh no information 
you know, Kirkpatrick seems to hate his job. He looks like the saddest man on earth. Yeah. You know, he just seems an annoyed with his assignment, eager to hand it off to somebody. And so that's like where CNN can go like, oh, you know, we're, we talk to the people. We're trying to take it seriously. And in the meantime, yeah. you've got Grush and you've got people like, you know, Dr. Lekatsky, even with all of his sort of cloak and dagger stuff, sp spilling out in incredible information. And the fact that Arrow is acting like they're just studying this little thing and we can't find anything. And so meanwhile, what's so fucking obvious is the government. Why, why, if there was nothing to see, if this is just balloons, why we've been studying for 50 years. <laughs> like, what, it, yeah. Why or why would the government mm -hmm. be spending all this money? If it seems like, eh, it's such a parallel universe. And yet yeah. people have just enough lack of attention span to, you know, I think to your point, Martin, like, yeah. Yeah. oh, I'm going to look in. Oh, yeah. No. OK. Uh, guess I, you well, know, and, and they that, just go right back out. Yeah. And that everyone and even, you know, you read the comments on any Twitter thread about UFOs. And there's always those people going, it's a drone. It's a drone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, as you said, the drones aren't haven't been around that long. Yeah. And like and the five, the Lou, Lou Elizondo's five observables are basically outlined in the Twining memo. From what year was that? Back in the fifties. So the Twining, I think, was forty-seven. Yeah, I may, I may have that mixed up, but I, I, I that's what comes to mind. But uh, for Twining, but I may have that wrong. What, yeah, what year was that? Yeah, yeah, I can't remember. Right, but that's the one where where he came out and said these these are not illusory yeah. or fictitious. The these break. are these are real objects. And yep. But then and then in the rest of that that memo, he he describes uh, instantaneous acceleration. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, That's right. Basically describes, you know, he basically describes all of the observables that, that Lou Elizondo described. Right. Right. I was just seeing if I could find that. Um, if it's if it's all right with you, I'd like to talk to you about a really interesting guest I had. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah, because it kind of fits yeah. into everything we're talking about here. So uh, years ago, three or four years ago, I was uh, contacted by one of the list, my listeners. He said, hey, I know this guy that was in the military and he came upon a crash. UFO and in Peru. So I said, uh, back in 1997. So I said, Oh, uh, well, interesting. He says, uh, he, he says he won't talk about it. He only talked about it once, uh, one time only. And so I started looking into him. And so Leslie Kane and, uh, uh, I know this sounds bizarre, all these different people I'm going to say, uh, S Stephen Greer, Dr. Greer and Leslie Kane and Bud Hopkins and all, and James Fox was involved and they flew him up. Uh, along with other people to over to New York city and they interviewed him. So you see this interview back in 2001 and uh, it's absolutely fascinating. The guy's name is John Wigan. So I was introduced to him and I have a place in South Carolina. So my girlfriend and I drove up to him in North Carolina where he lives and we sat and we talked to him and is and, he, is he American or is he Peruvian yeah. or? Oh, he's American. He was in the Marines in 1990. Oh, okay. Yeah. Marines. Okay. So, uh, he, he was horrified by the whole situation, but it's an, it's such an amazing encounter. And I have to tell you of all the people that I've interviewed on this show of all these years, I interviewed him face to face is I believe this guy 100%. And I, I feel mm -hmm. as though I, I have a, a, a pretty good barometer for people, you know, and, you know, I'm always searching out fakes and things in the art world and things like that. I'm always like investigating. So I just feel the body language, everything about him 
was just right on. I talked to James Fox and he said of all the people he's ever interviewed, he believes this guy 110%. So anyway, so I was the second person to interview him. And what happened during the interview is uh, I was expecting he and I would have two or three hour conversations and I expected he would just blurt it all out. I had, it was like pulling teeth. He was so traumatized by the situation. Basically what happened is he's in, um, it's, he was in this project laser strike and it was basically a drug stopping. Uh, it was a bunch of different countries got together trying to stop drug trafficking. And so that was all through radar and they thought they had a crashed friendly, um, because something they, they, they said there was a crash and it's out here and these coordinates and head out there. So he went out with a platoon and, uh, three Humvees on, on foot, no three Humvees. They traveled about okay. three hours. And then they walked about, you know, as they're walking, they see this thing and they get closer to it. And he's on point. He's in the front and with two other people. And he walks up to it and it's this egg-shaped craft stuck into a wall like a, a cliff. And there's like fluid running out of it. And the whole craft is sh- changing colors and the fluid's changing colors. So he climbs up. The two sergeants that were with him stay down and he climbs up. And he gets up there and there's a hand hanging out of the thing. And all of a sudden he starts feeling like there's beings inside and they're, they're dying. And, uh, so he had this, this was really a traumatic situation for him. And cause he didn't know what he was looking at. He had no, he didn't even think alien at first. He didn't know what it was. And, right. uh, he got some of the fluid on him and lost all his hair where it got on him and and his fatigues got all, you know, rotted and everything where it touched and everything. So he he's told to get down. And all of a sudden, these guys in black camo show up. And they were American or sounding American. And they had weapons and they shackled them up. And it said, you are not supposed to be here. What the F you're doing here and all that. And they take him away. And then he gets shipped back over, you know, to the States. And he had such a horrible he ended up getting a uh, less than honorable discharge and they set him up with all these different things and because he wanted to talk about it. And so he's only talked about it twice. And, uh, it's, it was like the biggest nightmare in his life. And to me, that was, I mean, 30,000 people watched the video. Um, and then I don't know how many thousands, you know, listen to the audio, but it's just like, it just should get out there. I mean, this, this guy, is what is his last name? Wagan W E. Y G A N D T John Wagan G A N D T. Yep. Anyway, that, that was out of all the, you know, people often ask me, you know, what was kind of the most incredible interview? That was that one. That was the most incredible interview because I believe the guy sitting face to face Mm -hmm. with him and I could see the turmoil that the thing causes him today. He still has nightmares about it. Does he still have uh, health effects? He does. Yep. And um, I asked him that because, you know, of course, people always want to know that. And he said he didn't want to talk about it, but he'll talk to me. He'll talk to me about it. But I haven't. Yeah, I haven't talked to him basically since. And this was 93, you said? 97. Has he had any any follow on phenomena? No, I did ask him that. Yeah, I did ask him that. Yeah. But he did have, you know, there was someone outside his door and the guy got arrested. He had a gun in his car. You know, they don't know what that was about. So, yeah. So, but anyway, yeah. he'll never talk about it again. You know, he says he'll never really? talk about it again. Wow. Yeah. It because he's it's it's because he's scared of of um 
because he's scared of ramifications of talking about something that clearly yeah. he got in big, deep shit for just having experienced or because it's just a traumatic. So talk I said about. to him in the beginning, he says, hey, you know, there's the whistleblower thing. You know, the government he goes, I do not trust the government. I'm not going to the government. And then I had these journalists contact me saying, hey, we heard you're interviewing him. Uh, we'd like to do a story. And so I I told him that and he said, no, I'm not talking to any journalists. They just twist your words. I'm not going to talk to anyone. So <laughs> I got for yeah. the interview and, uh, and I don't, I don't think he's going to, going to talk again, but it's, uh, it's an yeah, incredible that's, situation. That's, I'm going to yeah. look that interview and, up. And, yeah. Uh, I'm going to see that too. I, I, I've heard, I think I've heard, I've heard people talking about this story. Now that you mentioned that the, the craft in the side of the cliff that, yeah. that rang a bell, yeah. but yeah, like I, I haven't in. seen the video. Yeah. yeah. And if it's there retrieval, was, um, if this thing's wedged in, how could they possibly retrieve something like that you know i mean in the yeah. middle of the jungle uh, mm-hmm. crazy I, I just it it suggests so much like this ability you know these these camo black paratroopers who suddenly know this thing is there and they're you and know they're there right does. away and that happened there was another guy that talked recently another marine that had talked about a similar situation uh where the black the guys in black camo showed up too and, and threatened him and that was yeah. a uh, that was um, somewhere in South America. Well, that's the thing. Well, the the gov- government might not be good at keeping secrets, which is a, probably a big reason why DOD doesn't want Congress to know anything. Uh, but military are pretty good at it because they, uh, unlike Congress, uh, they will threaten to kill people. Yeah. Um, oh, he was threatened. They said they were going to push him right out of the, the helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. If he ever talked about it, you which, know, or if he thought about talking about, it, he's just going to go yeah. out. Right out the door. Yeah, Congress, the worst you get is, we'll subpoena you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Which would scare some people. And then we won't enforce it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, right. I, I, there was a couple, we had a, we had um, a, a friend of mine named um, Gene Anzulis who was in a, a, a had an abduction experience and had, I had known her for, for many, many years. And, and her interview is, well, her initial story to me was one that kind of was was sort of my moment. I didn't see something. It was more her story because it was somebody that I just trusted implicitly and had this, you just have your gut tells you something like this, that there's no, there's no basis for deception here. There's simply no, and yes, some people are crazy for no, you know, crazy is crazy. And yet there was, this story stayed with me for years and years and years. And I, I, when we started doing this, um, I, you know, I reached out again and it'd been a while. We'd been in, in touch a little bit, but I had reached out again just to be like, do you, is that still, you know, like your story has stayed with me forever. Has you, is, has it stayed with you forever? And she came on and it's, I think a very, very compelling, um, if you're kind of on the fence about abduction, it is a very fascinating and she, you know, is, is a good, you know, is a very good storyteller in the sense of the, you know, the way she conveys it. But there was also another, it, the way you described it um, was the Travis Walton um, story of the loggers and, yeah. you know, the 70s and that whole story. And uh, Payne Lindsay, the podcaster, uh, has a High Strange podcast and he has a really good interview with Travis. And the story of that is very similar. It reminds me of like just um, in some cases with Travis's voice, you know, he's got that gravelly yeah. kind of southern, yeah. you know, whatever it's a uh, southwest kind of. Yeah. But there's, it is so convincing and so beyond our scope to get the story in our heads. Like everything in our brains wants to reject yeah. this story. Yeah. 
And, you know, you're talking about an egg trapped in a mountain, spilling colorful fluid, hands hanging out. And yet, you know, when you hear Travis's story, if you hear Gene's story, these habits, these things happen to these people. They, they, or they are absolutely convinced it happened to them, which yeah. suggests something happened. And it's, it's just, um, you know, yeah. what is so fascinating about this because so much of it is first person experience that you're, you know, you're going by, uh, you know, this better than anyone, you know? And I think, um, we, we, we only have our own senses to, 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 to trust or to believe someone, but when you know, you know. Yeah. Now I've sat and with Travis and talked to him, um, off air, you know, just like in a restaurant and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I'd never get any feelings of, you know, deception of any of his story. You know, that's, it's really quite an incredible thing. And I remember the first time I had him on my show, I said, so you were, uh, you were away for like four days. Where did you go to the bathroom? You know, I mean, you think of things like that. I asked him stuff like that and <clears throat> he doesn't remember, but you know, I mean, yeah. that whole, that whole situation is just crazy. Yeah. Cause he thought, he thought he had been gone a few hours, I think when he, yeah. like a matter of right, fact, when, when he brother, got when into the car, pick him up. he got into the car with his brother, yeah, to feel his face and he had the growth and he said, how did that happen? You know, he didn't. He, yeah. yeah. Well, I've been late, late, late. The last few days, I've actually been going back over some of David Jacobs stuff. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. And David Jacobs, he, he was he was a research partner with Bud Hopkins yeah. on uh, abductions. And he wrote a book. I remember getting the book back in the late 90s, The Threat. Um, and his newer book was, is it called? They, they're, they are, they walk among us. Yeah. Or? When, you know, yeah. He talks about people getting apartments and you know all yeah, this the, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah hybrid hybrid right. aliens, aliens are getting apartments uh, living yeah, yeah they have a, getting apartments and uh explain and the la housing crisis for sure yeah. Yeah. and 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 i guess in the threat you're talking about they, they they would interact with abductees and and visit them and learn how to behave as humans from abductees yeah. and and of course the tons of sexual uh stories of you know sexual interactions so. between yeah. hybrids and, and yeah. humans um you know and then he also in the, in the new book he talks about something called hubrids and i've um and i forget what the distinction is between hybrids and hubrids hmm. um but what do you, what's your take on on jacobs because i'm i'm really hoping that he's uh nuts i really wanted <laughs> you know because it's terrifying yeah. his his that this change is coming and that, that, that there are, yeah. there is an army of, uh, of hybrids, hubrids and abductees who are, uh, in the control of aliens. Yeah. I don't know what to are, make, you know, I've, I've met him yeah. and hung out with him before and, uh, nice guy, very, very intelligent. There's no yeah, question He about seems that. very rational. Seems yeah. very rational. Although those claims are, <laughs> seems. they're pretty far out there and, you know, I, I don't know what to make of them. You know, I, I, I've heard, I mean, you know, during an interview one time, I thought, wow, this is really stretching it. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. You know, I can't say for sure that he's crazy, you know, even though you want him to be. But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've never met him. I was yeah. wondering if you had interviewed him. Yeah. On, a few times. Yeah. And, and um, I do believe that he's not doing any more interviews at this point. That's what I heard. He's, yeah. you know, retired, basically. Yeah. So. Well, that's one of the, I mean, from doing well, this, from 
He's preparing for the change. <laughs> I guess right. so. He's, Hope he knows what to do. Yeah. Or the hubrids yeah. have smuggled him into some place. Uh, it's it is disconcerting the level of uh, you know very intelligent uh, you know scientifically minded um, you know degrees, and then some of the stuff that comes <laughs> that comes at you. You're kind of I, I mean even our conversation with uh, was it Mike Masters last week. Oh, I love Mike. Uh, Mike and I. Oh, yeah, Mike. So Mike interesting. Did he get so really, great. Did he get naughty on your show? Uh, yeah. Did he get naughty? Yeah. I, I mean, hard. I don't know. Our standards are pretty I mean, yeah. low or high. It's sort of you know, it's tough to know what our range is. Oh. We're, we're yeah, pretty, we, we we work we were pretty blue most of the time. We're cleaning yeah, it up for we you. Kind of scrape uh, the bottom of the barrel good. ourselves, good. you know, because you're you're a gentleman. <laughs> so we we've been trying to keep it nice. Yeah, I've been cursing in a much He's, less of a oh, high clip. Mike is so funny though. What a funny guy he is. Yeah. yeah. I know. I, yeah, I want to read his a novel. I guess. Uh, oh, the newest, right, the newest book. Yeah, we were. <laughs> Dave and I were all proud of ourselves. We'd read like all this entire library. He's like, "But you got to read the new one." We're like, "Oh God, yeah, you know, it's like yeah, after." Yeah. Uh, but we'll have him on again. But yeah, his time. You know, he. I was one of the people who was like time travelers. Like, really, I gotta, I gotta put this in my head too now. Like, yeah. I, it's not enough that we're just debating ET or interdimension. I gotta worry about me from the future coming to you know you know probe people or whatever and you know he he makes it really i was reading that book i'm like god damn well he know you know he's thought about it a lot more than i have and uh yeah. and he to me was doing a pretty good case of squashing the et theory yeah. um well i said to him and it, oh go i'm sorry go ahead no no go ahead no i said last time i uh talked to him i said uh i said you know the one thing about us turning into grays in the future, if it is us, this civilization. I said, you know, we, I said, you look at like Hollywood, you know, you, you look, okay, look at a 400 year old painting. People were not the best looking and we kind of, you know, we kind of evolve going, you know, there's the urge to go for pretty and better looking and better looking. Said, These grays are, are, they're pretty ugly. And he says, uh, have you ever been to Walmart? Those people like sex. <laughs> that was his answer to that. I was, you know, so he said, yeah. so it doesn't matter. It's basically what he said. But yeah, like that's true. Well, yeah. Everybody's well, still having sex at some point in the future. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll evolve to. Well, although that's the premise of idiocracy is that, is that uh, it's the, uh, the elites, the uh, intellectual and the elites that's, that are having fewer and fewer children in the world. Mm. And so, so we're kind of, we're kind of handing over humanity to the people who's, who are still willing to reproduce. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a, an arguable benefit one way or another. There's some annoying elites too. Um, but I, you know, I, I think the, yeah, it's, it is incredible. The, the, uh, the, the, the level of thinking that's gone into a lot of this stuff and, and it does, um, a lot of it has to be considered, you know, and I don't know about from hum hubrids to hybrids. It once the doors open, it, yeah, it well, it just keeps wanting to open. I, I to don't, me, was a, you know, if you ask me right now, my opinion, if I think there's hybrids, asking. I don't think there's hybrids among us. I really don't. I think that's a bunch of BS myself. Now, maybe there there's a possibility that there's hybrids somewhere out there. Uh, you know, because of enough people will say, you know, they think they've had their eggs, you know, removed or whatever, you know, through these things, possibly. And that could be for reasons of who knows what. Um, 
why that would be happening in a situation. But for them to be walking among us, I don't think this isn't the best place to be. I don't think. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it's weird. It, Dave could the, uh, Dave could be a hubrid, is what I'm. Yeah, why, that would that'd be nice to find out. Um, uh, that would but, explain a lot. Yeah. The. Uh, but there's what was I going to say? Um, something before. That. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> three. Um, that. Yeah, the notion. Um, I know. Oh, I didn't know what I was going. I was just going to say that I know none of the people who claim to be hybrids are very compelling. Exactly. You know. Now listen. Gotta none, keep it. They don't have any information or any. Right. Uh, they, they don't, don't have seem any to have, pictures. Or, you know, and they don't seem to. Have, they don't seem particularly intelligent. <laughs> um, you know, like not, not that they're stupid, but they don't seem above average even. Well, let me tell you um, something. I went to a conference uh, in Phoenix the uh, International UFO Congress. And they had this mm -hmm. woman up there that was introducing all these hybrids to all of us. And then they were saying, yeah. And they had a crayon drawing picture. This is me and when our, my alien world or, and, and like, this is how I look. And, and, and it was like, what, what? And you know what? They got a <laughs> yeah. standing ovation. All these mm. people were like loving it. And I'm thinking, yeah. Oh my God. You know, it's just so far out there. I I don't know. You know. Yeah, that's that's a yeah, that's a credulousness that I can't quite uh, I can't embrace. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, and, what's the greater danger to uh, disclosure and really getting to the bottom of this? Is it is it the the carnival circus atmosphere on the believer side, or is it the uh, Arrow, Kirkpatrick, benign blue book stuff on the other side? I myself don't know because there's such a there, there's so many cross currents of media and, and uh, you know, ways people jump onto this thing. And, and I, like you, Martin, you know, I've been to the, you know, the Pasadena UFO conference or whatever festival, whatever you want to call it, where it's like there's a real yeah, alien con. I think you. Yeah, actually. there's there's people who are saying really interesting, compelling stuff and hugely, uh, you know, uh, credentialed, incredible people with also a. a crazy town you know with yeah. like on on sort of the other panels it's a tough it's a tough one like how do you kind of how do you excavate the 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 real um from all of this and is that you know i i think that's just as hard to contend with in some ways or if it was real would anyone believe it you know that's that's the other tough part of it but uh lou elizondo recently tweeted or do you call it xed now what do you i, I guess we have to call it xed which you don't have not, to do anything. Yeah, it, I mean, it took a long time thing. to get used to saying. I'm kind of pissed off about that. It took so long to get used thing. to saying tweet. Yeah. Uh, you know, tweet sounded stupid when we started yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, All right. But, so yeah. we xed that there's going to be an early 2024, uh, early to mid 2024. A lot is going to be revealed, and as you know, mm. I keep my word. And so, you know, basically, that was pretty interesting. A pretty interesting yeah. x tweet. So, uh, but I mean. I don't know how people, I, I will tell you this. I don't think that we have to worry about people going nuts and, you know, religion collapsing and all this stuff. I don't think there's any of that. When I was at the DC hearing, it was pretty awesome. I'm looking in the audience and everyone's starting to leave. And I had just met David Grush and they're looking, there's a, a priest and he's just standing there, you know, smiling and very, you know, and say, I go, any chance I can interview you? And he said, Sure. And then he says, just no, I'm not speaking for the uh, I'm not speaking for the church. And 
So he basically said that, you know, God will love anyone. It doesn't matter, you know, and I was shocked that he has a fascination with this whole thing. And he believes that there's really, it's really true that they really are visiting us and life is out there. And, you know, he did, you know, he just did that little disclaimer of saying, you know, I'm not representing the church, but although although the the church did, the church did do an encyclical a few years back. Right. Yeah. Where they basically said that the Catholic, the Catholic faith embraces the notion of alien, alien life. And then he talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's an expansion of the of the of the congregation. Yeah, potentially a lot more followers. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you know, you never money, know. Money. Now, yeah, uh, now, yeah, but also they have some great astronomers. They have some, yeah, some yeah. great observatories. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, they, they, you know, they were they were right there. They could steal it up right from Galileo right at the start. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, they they got him they got him out of the way, so they had no competition. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, very good with ontological shock that the Catholic yeah. Church they, they handle it well. Mm. Well, they I mean they believe in pandimensional beings called angels and demons. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I don't think as far as disclosure and all that, I don't think it's if it does come, I don't know how it's going to, and I don't know who's going to believe it. And you know, I think uh, if our government starts talking about it, I don't know if they're going to be believed because no one believes them half the time and rightly so. And so I think, um, you know, if we had this mass sighting that was just right. undeniable, like, you know, the 50 mile UFO hanging out over a city for a day or something and little orbs coming down and visiting people and stuff like that. Maybe, maybe, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you're but right. I mean, that have, might last a weekend yeah. of news. Yeah, yeah. But we have all this AI stuff. Who's going to believe it? You know, this AI the yeah. deep fakes and only, the, only do. the people that are there and physically see yeah, it. Yeah. You have themselves. to touch it. Yeah. And even then people say, Oh, it's, 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 it's a holographic projection. <laughs> and even though you can try to explain to people, those don't exist. <laughs> they just don't, you yeah. know, yeah. There, there's no such thing as a hologram projector. Um, <laughs> It'd be great, but you know, film industry would love it. Yeah, oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, but I, there was also going to go back to where we kind of where we started was uh, talking about Lekatsky because he did drop a bombshell that kind of seems to no one seems to be taking notice of, and that was like he and Kelleher started talking about the real Men in Black mm-hmm. in the interview, and and then Jeremy kind of tried to pin him down. What do you mean the real Men in Black? Who are the real Men in Black? And Kelleher finally goes, uh, you know, is, are they are they human? Are they not human? And Kelleher said they are part of the phenomenon. Hmm. And and he said and he said well, so they're not human. He goes, they are part of the phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. So basically, oh. Kelleher and Lukatsky were saying, coming out and saying that the the real Men in Black are non-human. They were, that's kind of that's kind of a remarkable oh, thing to say. You hear about it so often, you know. You hear about these people showing up and and how they know and all that stuff. It really, really makes you wonder, you know, and all the yeah. different stories. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had a woman tell me that these people showed up in an old car, just like you would, you know, and they came out and they were wearing black, you know, black suits and all that stuff, just like. Just like they talk yeah. about, you know, and I, I don't know, you know, I mean, and they seem to keep showing up faster than, yeah, 
yeah. any other any other branch of government can, well, or police can get there. Lekatsky went even a little weirder uh, because there was something in the book, and I I ordered it, um, and I know George was talking about it last week. The the he was saying that they have to study the cultural something about the cultural phenomenon of this of the power of these craft that it's not you know there's the physical aspect there's the psychic aspect of these craft and their impact there's the sort of health but then there's sort of the cultural uh not confusion in, inversion cultural but what Lukatsky was suggesting was that the men in black were both alien and also uh having that that their purpose was to actually draw attention to themselves that he it was such in, a strange phenomenon yeah yeah that it, that he was trying that that as he, as he was asking all of these very sort of teasing he was clearly sort yeah. of enjoying the game which i found ultimately to be a little like tiresome like okay you don't want to you want to keep the security status but it's like uh, is it a game are we just playing a game here like that mm -hmm. you you know cuz he was seemed to enjoying the fact that oh i can't talk about that yeah. and finding it hilarious um, but he said he said uh he said are they there to suppress it like he said what's the effect of their what's the effect yeah. of their of their presence and he says is it to shut people up or is it to make people more convinced it's real yeah hmm. that was kind of what i my takeaway yeah. was that it was that they didn't think it was necessarily human. They thought that there were sort of human fake versions of Men in Black. And then he also suggested that yeah. the actual phenomenon was the phenomenon, which then you're like, okay, I don't <laughs> yeah. talk yeah. about intent. I don't know what the hell's going on at that point. Like, yeah, but yeah. he stuff. seems, seems so, to yeah, be in so a position to know. Um, so the non-humans are using reverse psychology to get people to be convinced that what they saw was alien. It doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah. to me, but it's, you know, yeah, they yeah. seem to think yeah. there's some research there to back that up. Yeah. Um, so many questions. Yeah, I would say so out of um, all the people that I've interviewed over the years, and it's a lot more than the 579 shows I've had, because a lot of times I'll have two people on, you know, so, or, or more. Mm -hmm. um, but... I would say that I've heard the stories of Men in Black directly from people probably three or four times in that whole time, which is yeah. still, you know, I mean, really weird, still really weird, even though it's that few, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And do black fatigues count? Yeah, I, mean, I was going to ask. A black camo, does that count as Men in Black? Uh, no, I, I, I yeah. don't know what that is. You know, for some reason, Jonathan Wigand thought they had something to do with the Department of Energy. Hmm. Yeah, so we, well, I guess that. I guess so that seems to be where a lot of the uh, a lot of the um, a lot of the secrets have been stored. I guess really because wow. it's FOIA exempt. Wow. So who oh, is it? Yeah. 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 There's a the atomic energy uh, exemption for the the Department of Energy. Uh, so they their classification system is uh, exempt from FOIA requests. Ah, so it wouldn't be hard to imagine that the Department of Energy had sensors that were going to be picking up things in our atmosphere that are have a signature that is, you know, unique to that department or would require the attention of that department or have some kind of um, maybe that's maybe that could be, you know, why it seemed to be a lot of sensor talk in this Lukatsky interview. Um he also, what was the other thing I was going to say? Um, 
Yeah, it's it's worth a listen. He he it's he oh he a lot of skinwalker like he really really thinks that the paranormal was necessary to investigate at Skinwalker Ranch. There was far more that occurred there than's ever been reported that there was both physical photographic proof that no one's ever seen. Uh, but he really, uh, you know, cause I guess in the original OSAP report and I hate all these acronyms, but that they got really beat up for including these paranormal stories about hitchhikers yeah. and about seeing this and feelings and, you know, yeah. like I, yeah. and yet he was like, there is absolutely no way to study this phenomenon well, and separate it from the because paranormal. Because it's ubiquitous. Yeah. It's like the, the paranormal events seem to go hand in glove with the uh, nuts and bolts sightings of, of craft. Right. Um, yeah. Even going back to, um, oh my God, now I'm blanking on his name. The, the first, the man that, uh, inadvertently caused the term flying saucer to be coined. Uh, oh, yeah. In 47. Um, what's his name in uh, the, the Northwest? Uh, yes. In, yeah. yeah. Mount Rainier. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to watch you guys think about it because I have no idea. So I'm just going <laughs> to stare. Know. I'm going to stare at you and until you guys come up with it. <laughs> Private pilot. Uh, I would have been able to say it if you. If <laughs> I know. I. I you are I, notorious, you know, Dave Foley, for these. We'll, uh, we'll assume it's a guy in Mount Rainier that came up with the. He's the most stuff. famous. Yeah, he's the the first. Yeah, he uh, launched. You need like this guy, like Joe Rogan has in the back. Keith Kenneth Arnold. No. Yeah. Kenneth, hey, Jack. Kenneth Arnold. Yeah. Thank you, Kenneth Arnold. Yeah. Jack, get on so, it. What are you doing up back there? You get so, you're getting so high Kenneth, like the kids yeah. do these days. What's going on? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just busting balls of our. Producer Jack, who's yeah. filling in for Chrissy and doing a fine job, I might say, but yeah, dropping yeah. the fucking ball on the Mount Rainier guy, Jesus. <laughs> Kenneth Arnold, one of the most famous names in you in yeah. the UFO lore, um, but that apparently that his story does go on that he did have the hitchhiker uh, mm-hmm. effect throughout the rest of his life. Apparently, he was kind of tormented by by paranormal events uh, and orbs. Uh, for the rest of his life, his kids have, have come forward and talked about yeah. the fact that he never wanted to talk about it, yeah. but that these things kept happening to him for the rest of his life. I remember James Fox interviewed his daughter, I believe, about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, a little bit yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's something, you know, all the way back then. And uh, yeah, it's really it's such a mystery. And, you know, we, we think of the modern UFO era, 1947. But we don't really talk much about what's before that. And there's a lot of really interesting things, you know, maybe not documented as well, but still there's quite a few things that happened. You know, I'm sure you heard of the Foo Fighters and, you know, 46 mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, uh, during the war and then uh, the, the uh, what do they call them? The ghost, ghost rockets in, uh, in Europe, in Sweden, in right? Europe. And that was in 1946, yeah. you know, all these bizarre things. So I I think there's been, you know, bizarre things happening. Yeah. And and then you have tales of star people from indigenous faiths in North America, South America, and Australia uh, going, you know, belief in, you know, star people who in, you know, petroglyphs and cave drawings and art, ancient art, all look an awful lot like the greys. And uh, and these are cultures that couldn't possibly have been talking to each other because they're, you know, because, uh, you know, New Mexico and Australia, uh, as I understand how maps work, they're far apart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's all it's such true. a puzzle. Yeah. yeah. I've mentioned this uh, once or twice, but um, my brother and I are writing a script about a guy who lived um, in the 
turn of the century, Edgar Casey, who was the sleeping prophet. I don't know if you have, you know heard about him, yeah. but he. We were fascinated because there's a, a great book called The American Prophet. It was written uh, about 20 years ago. We were trying to get the rights forever, and then finally got them. Um, and and his he was a sort of psychic diagnostician. He almost kind of created the the um, alternative health movement. But the more I dig into his stories, and the more we are kind of talking about folks about everything from remote viewing to then even research I was doing yesterday, where he was talking he was talking about. Uh, like a kind of abduction experiences that really haunted him his whole life. Now he was calling them different things. There were these sort of like, you know, kind of imps that at night, but he would like, there was these shadow things that were sort of like it, it's, um, it's there, it's all there, but it's almost can be compartmentalized in different kind of mythologies and different sort of descriptions yeah. and, and with right. religious clothing <laughs> or with this kind of, and yet you start to sort of, it really does feel like these, these things and it's almost like skinwalker ranch is the is the epicenter of where all these things kind of come together which was something that i think george knapp was telling us about last week of like that was sort of the feeling that he got was that it was just all there just all in one place like the, the ghost people have to make friends with the alien because this these people and the bigfoot people you know and it because it's all sort of the same phenomenon happening um yeah at the same time but it's really wild how that how that kind of works. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we let you go, uh, Martin, and this has been great, uh, by the way, thank you for doing this. And yes. we, we have to yeah. do this again. Um, oh, I'd love to. Yeah. We, uh, you had mentioned earlier on, very early on, that you, a poltergeist experience, and we, we love our ghost stories here at Really. We're not exclusively oh. uh, just uh, interdimensional creatures, although ghosts might be that. But tell us what that was. You said that there, you'd had something, you weren't sure if it was UAP or what. Yeah. No, no, it was, uh, I don't know exactly what it was. I still don't know, but it was something and it happened to me firsthand. So I was cleaning out a house. It was, it was sort of fall, I believe. And uh, this was in the late 1990s. And uh, it was a time of year. I, w I had an auction company and it was not really super busy then. So the lawyer said, hey, when you clean out the antiques, would you go in and clean out the rest of the house? And I said, sure, that's that's fine. And I told him a fee and he said, OK, so I cleaned out all the the good things that I could sell and then went in there on a day that was a beautiful, sunny day, no wind or anything. And um, and decided to, you know, do the job. And I was digging right in with my helpers that worked for me. And so I was upstairs and the uh the worker i had with me i think i had just one worker that day in particular and he was out in the garage cleaning out the garage and he'd take trips to the dump so i was uh <clears throat> i opened one of the bedroom doors i go into it and all the windows were down and here in new england we have storm windows too they're like double mm -hmm. windows so all the windows were down and they had put in this ugly green carpet and they never cut the bottom of the door so you had to force the door open i mean what a pain in the neck that would be if you live there to put clothes in, you'd have to like drag the door open. So I dragged the door open and I'm taking the junk out and I put them in a garbage bag, all the stuff in the garbage bag. And uh, just before then I finished sweeping the hallway and the, and the uh, door was wide open downstairs. Again, there was no wind at all. And so I dropped the slid the broom down the stairs. So it was just at the bottom of the stairs. So I wouldn't, you know, leave it upstairs as I was uh, finishing up. And this was the last room on the upstairs and 
putting all the clothes hangers and stuff in the bag and I got it all filled up. Everything's out and I drag it out into the hallway and just send the closet door slammed. I mean, it slammed really loud. And I went back in, I said, what the heck? And I go to pull it and sure enough, it catches on the carpet again. And I said, oh my God. And all of a sudden the front door slammed and I go down the stairs and the broom is leaning up against the door. Whoa. So I am totally, totally freaked out. And uh, so I go just stand outside in the lawn and waited for Ron to get back. He gets back and I said, Ron, <laughs> I'm not going in that house alone. No way. And I said, it's haunted or something, you know? And so he's going, Ooh, you know, teasing me. And we cleaned out the rest of the stuff and he was getting ready to leave. And there was one thing left in the, the garage and it was a, a flower basket and it has the big wicker loop. It was a big wicker flower basket and he worked at part-time at a funeral parlor. He says, oh, yeah, I see these all the time, you know, at funerals and the big flower bouquets and those things. And so I didn't think anything of it. And we said goodbye. I paid him and he took off. And uh, so I go over and I grab the basket and it's stuck. So I go, what the heck? So I pull on it and I'm pulling on it really, really hard, so hard that it breaks and the bottom stays on the floor. And I toss it in and then all of a sudden I go, oh, my God. And I went over and I touched it with my foot and there was nothing holding the bottom. It yeah. was sliding right on the floor. Wow. There was no gook or anything on the floor. And that happened to me. hundred percent. Is- and I'm not exaggerating. I'm not changing wow. anything. That happened to me. And I thought I'm never going to tell anyone about it. And now I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it now. Yeah. That's what, yeah, that. The broom and the wow. yeah, that is that's that's spooky. That's good. That's a good haunting. I know. Well, you know what? I, I talked. Yeah. The house was built in 1940. Yeah, and I've and I go by it every once in a while, and I've always wanted to stop and knock on the door, but I would think people would think I'm crazy. You know. Well, so. you're giving me good. I, I'm I'm definitely like uh, self interested. I'm like note to self, ghost story. Uh, appraiser is a great, that's like such a cool, like dealing with antiques, dealing with the, you know, the sort of memories char- of these objects. Yeah. yeah, no, I was like, okay, all right. No, well, I've, I've had things in my possession that I bought and stuff that I felt like I had to get rid of. Yeah. You know, I mean, just has a bad feeling about it, like a bad yeah. energy. No, you need to make your conjuring room. You need to get all your crazy sick dolls behind glass and then, you know, yeah. Let let young people wander through and get, you know, possessed. <laughs> that's just my sick brain. But um, you know, yeah. That's uh that's that's really why cool. you do what you do. You're that's why right. I do it yeah. the best yeah. I can. Um no, that's awesome. That's a good one. That's a good way to lead us out of this. That's this great. was a fantastic uh talk. Uh, it was great to meet you. Uh I'm not sure if you'd ever met Dave you. before, but this was awesome. No, not in person. Uh, yeah, not in person, but, yeah. but but online, I think. Yes, online. Yes, yes. we've online yeah. we've met. Yeah. Yeah. But so uh, yeah, good, good to uh, yeah, good to to talk with you, and thanks, thanks, yeah, Martin and thanks Willis. for it's thanks pod- for, Ken. Go ahead, Dave. Well, I'm just saying. Also, thanks for being a pioneer in the uh, yeah the uh, UFO podcasting world. It is podcast uh, UFO, correct? I know it's backwards, but that's it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Well, yeah. check it out. There's just a, an incredible library of interviews that Martin has done. I personally am going to look up John Wygant. Um, and learned a lot today and I'll, you know, we'll look into this and we'll, we'll do this again for sure. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Planning for your next trip. 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.